Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Becky Hoja, the Vice President and General Manager of Foreo Americas. Hi, Becky. How are you? Doing amazing. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and discuss with you. We're excited to have you. You know, Becky, I've heard a lot about what Foreo is doing right now. And I have to ask, like, when you thought about 2020 and where you were predicting the America's business was going to go, what was on your radar? That's an amazing question, right? When it comes to prediction. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, 2020 showed us that nothing can be predicted in the world. And I think that's, uh, that's really, uh, you know, it's challenging, but at the same time, I think it's exciting, especially for a brand like us, because we started with no prediction, uh, as, sound, as funny as it might sound, because we uh, are very much behaving and really acting on an emotional versus necessarily a logical type of business strategy, right? Very much as you would do from a human to human kind of type of interaction, correct? You can't really forecast everything. So I think uh, being ready and being prepared to accept change and to shift with it along the way, uh, it's been the number one strength that Foreo has had since day one. When you think about what the company was trying to accomplish about seven or eight years ago, you know, what was that initial need for the beauty customer and the tech customer, arguably? Absolutely. I think uh, we based our more our product development core, I think, on what we call creative destruction, right? Uh, Facial cleansing brush, which was the Luna range, which is the flagship range that we really launched back in 2014, 2013 on a on a global level was really uh, meant to kind of look at what the market was utilizing in terms of material, right? Was uh, really creating in terms of utility and kind of like break it down to its core and rebuild it in either material that are more modern and better, right? That uh, make uh, life more sustainable for the product and for the user itself. Um, And that kind of like expedite, right? Either the efficacy of the product or the uh, utility of it in, in any sort. So that's where we actually came in with things like medical grade silicone, right? Which has been used for years in uh, not just in beauty alone, but of course in, in, in surgery uh, rooms. And um, because of this material that is very non-porous, it's ultra, you know, ultra hygienic and antibacterial. Uh, and, and we came up with a T-sonic pulsation, which is this transdermal. People love, I think, in the beauty industry or in the industry in general, the word sonic, they think it's great. If you don't give them, you know, if you don't give them ultrasonic, they go crazy. When in reality, sonic is not really the core, right? It's the transdermal aspect because, you know, it works from inside out due to the pulses that the product has. You know, it shakes up the pores, allows for product penetration and cleanses deeper. So a whole different type of uh, way of kind of like cleansing your face, right? Not anymore a usual nylon brush swinging and, and, and grasping around your skin. Will you talk a little bit more about that? Because, you know, I think the trend of cleansing and over-cleansing is really on the minds of beauty customers right now. And one of the reasons why Clarisonic's demise may have been somewhat inevitable. So this idea of deep cleansing and over-cleansing is where we are at now. How do you evolve with that as a facial device uh, for the beauty customer? Love that question. I think, uh, you know, like anything in life, an extreme or another is never good, right? Not cleansing and going to sleep with your makeup on, which unfortunately there is so many uh, that, that do, is not is definitely not good. But also over cleansing too much is not good either, right? You end up into that type of uh, skin clinical type of situation where it's called like the purged moments, right? Where you're basically cleansing too much and you're uh, allowing for a lot of the 
non-good stuff to actually penetrate and so forth, right? So I think for us and for cleansing in general and how skincare is shifting right now, is there is a lot more focus, right? Uh, color, I think, in the Western world has been huge just because we are, we're used to filtering. I think uh, social media did that for us. We're used to, uh, how I always say and talk to the team and in general about that instant gratification and instant type of fulfillment uh, experience, right? We want it all, we want it now. And skincare has always been perceived, especially in the Western world, as a lot of work. Uh, but maybe it's been perceived as a lot of work because of that also, you know, incorrect thinking of, I need to do so much and I need to do too much, right? When in reality cleansing once a day, uh, but for a minute, at least, yeah, and doing it correctly, uh, that's all it takes. So I think people are actually understanding that more and more. I think the, the staying at home uh, for the last few months has uh, really kind of pushed all of us to do a lot more research. Luckily, we have the internet now, uh, so we can actually uh, do the research the way that we deem it necessary, right? And understand from the sources that we really believe that we trust, because also there is so much out there in the world of uh, internet, in the world of information, and it's also become difficult to see what do you trust and what do you not, right? But I think all of this staying at home and, and, and really kind of like tailoring our researches and seeing what works and what doesn't has uh, put skincare right now more than ever, I think, at, uh, at the center, at the focus. And we see that on our direct-to-consumer feedback. We see that from our collaboration with our partners in the B2B retail, like Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom's, um, and uh, I'm happy to see that. It's more and more coming to the actual fundamentals, right, of skincare per se. So business is good. Business is amazing. You want to share any financials on that? I mean, uh, I, 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 what I can share with you is that luckily that uh, we're still a private company, so uh, a lot of the information, of course, you know, we can, we, we can share and we cannot, but uh, this preparation, or I think the way that the company per se was set up, right, to really kind of be always a little bit, I think sometimes too much ahead of its time, has made it so that uh, we are not just actually really surviving this pandemic type of retail madness, but we're kind of thriving in it as well, right? And I think skincare tools and skincare devices uh, more than others. Reason is because we have had a very large penetration on dot-com sales since, since the get-go, right? I think it makes sense. It's a higher price point item. People do want to do a little bit more research, right? So a lot of their research, as we spoke about before, it's done digitally. And of course, then they go into either Forever.com, Sephora.com, and so forth to actually purchase the product. So that penetration on .com has always been about 60% to 40% brick and mortar for Foreo. I think right now, of course, because of uh, that brick and mortar being completely closed for you know, three months at least, and now slowly, even though it's reopened, it's still you know, kind of going, getting going. Uh, it's about 75%, so, which, is, which is amazing. I think everybody's understanding why the digital aspect of a business is that much more from a business standpoint uh, productive. It's uh, cost efficient. Uh, and you can reach and speak to the customer so much better and so much more, right? Not that we don't need brick and mortar ever again, because I think we're humans. We love that interaction. And I hope we're actually going to be able to go into a new format of brick and mortar. But the business right now, it's thriving. And uh, from a global standpoint, and United States especially, being the most advanced in e-com sales, it's amazing. When you think about thriving, specifically as it, as it relates to the stay-at-home orders and also like dermatologist office and, and, you know, fast facial bars being closed, like 
what do you think this tells the customer? You know, they can, if once they've figured out that they can use a 4AO at home or do some of these treatments at home, I mean, are they ever going to go back to a derms office? Are they ever going to go back to a um, esthetician? Or is this going to be like the way the hair color industry is? Maybe you do, dabble in both. I think, I think it's teaching them that it's not that difficult, right? I think it's teaching them that it's not that much hard work. I think there is still going to be need of your estheticians, absolutely, of your professionals, because it's like saying, I'm going to the gym, I'm just starting to work out, I need a personal trainer for the first five sessions, right? Just because I don't know what to do. I don't know, you know, how to work out. You kind of get uh, those five days, let's say, or a week worth of personal training, and you kind of understand a little bit uh, what really is, is for you. And uh, then you start doing it on a weekly basis on your own, self-sufficiently, right? I think the same concept is when it comes to skincare. It's just because, again, it's not that instant. It takes a little bit of work, right? And uh, that is the truth. But it is not that difficult, as everybody perceives, that you got to go every time to a professional to get it done, right? There is tools out there. There is technology. And uh, there is functional design, as we call it from ourselves, right? Uh, which is what we actually are experts on, which is that product, is that tools, is that technology that helps you do it at home and helps you do it in a very easy and uh, consistent way. Consistency, it's a big part. So how would you say that applies to your skincare providers who do sell Foreo? Does that mean you're moving away from that channel? Does that mean you're being more careful about who your partners are? No, absolutely. I think uh, moving away, definitely not. I think, as a matter of fact, being a lot more uh, kind of like tactical and in partnership, right? To understand exactly how do we play in, 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 in that field together. Uh, there is still a lot of benefit in a company that produces, that creates products like we do, to partner with those uh, experts and those specialists, right? Because they are the first place where someone new will go and train, right? And uh, having something that they can actually also offer to take home that will not necessarily anymore, you know, really replace what their services are, but will just make sure that, you know, it keeps on improving. I think it's improvement, it's a big, it's a big aspect. Um, it, it's just going to provide a lot of mutual benefit to both, right? To the vendor or to the product uh, company, as well as to the service provider in general. So I think moving away, not just becoming a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more kind of like, uh, what's the right word? It's not careful, but a lot more selective, right? To really kind of understand what is that would benefit uh, more the consumer and the mutual benefit, the mutual aspect between the relationship of retail and product development. Would you say your focus, though, are partners like a Sephora or an Ulta who are bigger and who have those scale opportunities? Uh, not just. Not only, right? I think from a retail, if we're talking about retail standpoint in general, Sephora and Ulta are giants, right? In this market, in the Western market. They have that loyalty, customer loyalty, which is extremely important, right? For any brand. Uh, and they can help with brand building, with messaging, right? And I think diffusing the message. Now, the message needs to be good, right? And it needs to come from the brand. I think that's, uh, that's key priority for everybody right now. But not necessarily just a large retail B2B, but also the professional aspects uh, that are going to evolve, right? It's not going to be anymore the spy that it used to be, maybe, uh, or the dermatologist's office that it used to be, but it will still be there. It will still evolve and transform into what it's needed now. And I think those type of outlets are extremely important for a brand like us that it's in skincare because of the educational component that comes from them. 
You mentioned a second ago the word loyalty, which I think is really interesting because a Love. lot of the problems in, um, you know, in every single beauty brand that we're seeing right now, as well as facial device brands, is a lack of loyalty, right? Like people kept saying that Clarisonic had a replenishment problem. Some of the other um, beauty devices that have apps, people aren't using the apps. They're too expensive. So how are you purporting loyalty for Foreo? That's a great question. And uh, <laughs> I said I love it as you were mentioning it and smiling just because it's it's a topic that I've been discussing a lot, especially with our PR teams and our marketing teams in general, right? It all comes down to ultimately marketing, I think. It's not necessarily price. People, we like to live, as humans, I think we love to give, uh, you know, concrete reasons as to why we're not doing something, right? Or why we don't have loyalty towards something. But I think it's something that goes beyond that because it's like in a human interaction, right? Why do you have loyalty? Is it because that friendship cost me too much or cost me too little, right? Is it because that boyfriend uh, just is that cheap or is, the, is that much more, you know, nice and, and caring about me, right? It works the same way as a brand. I think marketing in, in the last period of time, especially in the Western world, has been capitalized way too much where the messaging uh, and everything that we've been doing in general as, as brands, right, to the public has been so much more towards selling versus really teaching anything. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's a simple type of statement, but it's extremely important, right? As a brand, I think reason, the way that we, we, we capture that loyalty is by being value added to the life of anybody. Same as you would do in any sort of human interaction. You don't really necessarily want to have friends just because I only have three. I need to get to number five, right? Uh, I want to have friends because they add a certain value, a purpose, right, to, 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 to my life in general. And I think loyalty has been lacking because of that. People have just understood, consumers understand there is just so much out there and it's getting to the level where it's confusing, right? And I think a lot of times the, the sales results are not what they should be simply because there is an overwhelming factor. Uh, and you, you, you start losing loyalty that way. You start losing that connection. So I think what it comes down to now more than ever is really switching that, right? And changing what we have been all accustomed to for so long and stop just pushing out as robots sales aspects of any brand and really start going out there and really teaching something that it's worth, you know, looking back to and it's worth really uh, reading again or a podcast that it's a good conversation that it's worth listening to, right? I think that's what we are all desperate to kind of achieve right now. And that's what creates loyalty. Do you think that price plays into that though? Uh, price is important. I think, of course, especially now more than ever, right? Uh, of course, we cannot go just emotional, uh, you know, approach on anything. Of course, logical, especially when it comes to pocket, it's important. But I think price becomes meaningless because when was the last time you really bought even something that was for a dollar that you never understood why you need it for? You know, it doesn't really matter. It can be a dollar, it can be a thousand dollars, right? If there is value there. If there is, you know, something that really you perceive that is going to improve, right, your life in any sort of direction, you'll be willing to save for it, right? Maybe you won't buy it now, but it's going to become as part of your bucket list that you want to actually kind of at some point in time uh, purchase. And I think then it becomes just a matter of when, not if, right, when it comes to price. That's, that's the most important aspect. That's why whatever the brand says, whatever the brand stands for, can really supersede the barrier of any price sort of issue, right? Or any price um, kind of like challenge. I'm really interested though, 
Becky, just the way that you are pricing your products, because it isn't like they aren't all $600. You know, some are much more inexpensive. Some things are like $29. It seems to have an access point for everyone. I think even on your site the other day when I was looking, there was something about back to school, like which was being mm -hmm. marketed towards Gen Z. I mean, is that, how conscious is that for you to be able to be relatable in price and to all customers? Extremely important because I think, again, it comes down to education, right? When you're, a, we are in a, in a, in a environment of skincare tools, especially modern technology, right? And, and, and functional design. I think it's important that you're able to capture also uh, a portion of the portion of the consumer that is not really accustomed to. It comes down to education, right? We were the first ones to really create a sample size product like the Luna Play back in 2018 when it first launched was an evolution per se, not just because of the product, because of the device, but because of actually the tactic, right? The approach uh, was smaller, 100 uses, $39 more impulse type of buy for someone that never used uh, a skincare tool before, right? That has been intrigued by it, but never really kind of felt uh, that can afford spending that much money, like 199 or 139, like in a Luna Mini 2 or a Luna, uh, before it really sees and tries and feels that, that, that kind of reaction of utilizing a, a product like a skincare tool. So uh, it comes down to education. We price our products uh, different ranges to be able to actually uh, allow that or, or, or have that offering out there so that you don't have to really dive deep and say, darn it, what did I do, right? Um, or uh, at the same time for us, when it comes to extended generation of products, pricing, it's also important. Uh, there is no reason on earth why you need to improve something and make something more valuable and beneficial to the actual user and charge $200 more for it. Yes, there's nothing in the world, let me tell you from a product development standpoint, that is like the white truffle of technology, yeah, that you're going to actually charge $1,000 and be able to justify it. That's why for us, we follow that model where Luna 1 launched at 199 Luna 2 came out, and it was a much better, much more improved product, but it didn't go high in price. It stayed at 199 right? While the first generation started to drop down a little bit. Very similar to the Apple model pricing when it comes to that, right? Um, so to answer to the question is, it's important to actually create uh, entry level position and price uh, to educate. And it's also important to provide additional value as we progress as the leaders in the beauty tool without having to charge an arm and a leg more because there is, again, no reason to, right? So do you think that that's maybe the problem in the larger device market? Because, I mean, I think in sales data, it's been trending downwards for the last three years. So is that the problem? It's too expensive? It's for a 1% kind of cu customer? Or is it that the innovation isn't there? Or both? I think it's, uh, it's, it's the problem is, again, it's, it's that we get uh, too capitalistic mindset, right? It's like we want to actually try and make money out of every single thing that happens. And I think that's a mistake that brands really do. They see that the first thing that they do maybe works. Okay, let me go now and actually just uh, do the same thing, but charge $200 more. Just change a little bit of the design of the packaging. That's not enough. We're working with a savvy consumer. We're working uh, with, uh, with uh, you know, a generation of millennials, a generation of Generation Z that was born with social media, was born, uh, you know, with uh, all the tools in place to be able to make an informative decision about their purchase, right? So you can't really anymore, like back in the days, you know, during Mad Men times, if you remember the movie and the advertisement, yeah, really put a doctor in a coat and say smoking is just baked and be okay with selling cigarettes. You understand? The consumer is getting a lot more... Uh, a lot more savvy, a lot more uh, advanced into their research. And again, it's becoming a lot more human, 
because it understands very easily when you're trying to sell them something that basically provides no value to them and charge them an arm, an arm and a leg. And it understands where you're just trying to really kind of show something that maybe they didn't know before and provide that additional purpose and additional value. And that's what makes the difference. You mentioned Gen Z a second ago. I have to ask, like, you know, I think I saw that Foreo had like zillions and zillions of views on TikTok. And mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily, you know, resonate for me. Like, why would a, a Gen Zer need a beauty tool or beauty device? Will you talk about that strategy a little bit? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's uh, the invention of TikTok. I think it's been so groundbreaking, mostly because, uh, especially in the Western side of the, of, of the world or in the more advanced markets, because, you know, things like Instagram and Facebook were great, but then we became everybody too much of the same and too much too many people trying to make money out of it, that it lost again that human connection, that creativity aspect. And of course, TikTok brought back that creativity, right? Uh, where it's not enough just to actually go out there and show a product and say, hey, I love this, you know, this is amazing, you should buy it. Because consumers also started to know, you know, it's like, okay, you got it for free, you're publicizing it over there and you're trying to convince me to buy it, right? Uh, you're not providing anything more that I should know about it. And TikTok, I think, started to do that. And a Generation Z, it is becoming a lot more creative. I think because again, they were born with the technology that we uh, kind of like got throughout our lifetime, right? They now seek more of what we used to have before the technology came. They seek more that uh, connection with people. They seek more that, uh, you know, that good quality conversation. They seek more that good quality video. Something that it's worth really thinking about and saying, oh, I'll go back and look at the TikTok content because I think it, it you know, it's a good example of something I wanna do. And uh, that's why I think things like platforms like TikTok that promote now that, uh, that creativity more and more. And you got to think outside of the box uh, to be able to connect with people and not just anymore be so robotic into just selling. Um, it's becoming more and more uh, impactful. Would, but you also have had extreme success from some of the celebrities on Instagram, like the Kim Kardashians and the Miley Cyruses of the world. How does engagement on Instagram and with those kind of celebrities compare to these new age influencers on TikTok? I think there is, a, there is a need for both. I think there is a market for both. Uh, you know, personally speaking, I'm a much bigger fan of, uh, of, 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 of regular humans, regular people. I think uh, if I may say that, not because I don't love celebrities, don't get me wrong. I think they are, they are, they're great and at what they do, right? But I think, like I said, there is a market for both. There is a type of consumer that will follow one or will follow the other. That's in, it comes down to a matter of loyalty and trust again, right? Um, a lot of people out there trust what, you know, and, and they feel more relatable to what a celebrity will actually endorse or will show. Um, I think majority of us as humans do though, uh, you know, kind of connect more and we, and we learn more and we see that, uh, we can connect more to each other, right? Or to these micro new influencers that are coming up uh, or to this TikTok new type of creative uh, influencers because they are just uh, a lot more, I think in this moment in time, we need that more refreshness. Yeah, and we need that more like groundbreaking type of strategy and uh, content that we see out there. Something that we can truly relate to. I mean, I love the lifestyle of some of the celebrities I see, right? <laughs> it's amazing. It's a dream. Do I want to come to my office in a helicopter every day and actually land on my roof? Absolutely. You know, it's like, why not? I mean, that would be an exaggeration. But in reality, I have to take my car and drive to it. Yes, which is totally okay. That's not going to make me or break me, right? So I think there is a market for both. It all depends on uh, the messaging. Again, that's the most important thing. You can utilize um, content 
in partnership, and we have. We're probably one of the brands that globally, on a, on a larger scale, uh, used influencers like the most, right? Um, but uh, you also need to be careful as to what that value of the content is, that, that messaging. Is it, again, teaching something or is it just trying to sell something? The selling something doesn't work anymore. But isn't that very hard to do when so many influencers today, even TikTok influencers today, are, you know, asking for a check? Absolutely. And that's OK, right? Asking for a check, I think it's totally normal. Everybody needs to kind of like get the paycheck and survive, right? But there is ways and ways to be able to actually create that content. I think that's when it comes down to. It was not the problem that there was a check needed to be written or a check needed to be asked, Right. It was the fact that you were getting the check and then you were forgetting that you still needed to provide value to the, your actual consumers that are looking at it. So you started to get too acquainted and too easy to relax, right? I think that was the, if it's the right word, which is human nature. Uh, we start giving things for granted. And I think that's the problem. We need to go back to, again, uh, working on quality messaging. I don't think people stopped believing or consumers in general started to kind of slow down their trust in influencer marketing just because they knew that there was a check be given. I mean, Instagram was asking to put sponsored by such and such from a long time ago. That kind of tells you, right? Commercials in general, you know that there is some money in transactions happening. But at the same time, it was the quality of the content. It's again perceived was too salesy, too product oriented. It was not human anymore. So I think that was the, 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 the glitch. And is it probably also the amount of deals some of these influencers were engaging in, that there were so many, they were like, you know, shilling, you know, toilet paper and deodorant and a lipstick. Absolutely. I think it's also, you know, it comes down to uh, greed. Yeah, it's like too much. I want it all and I want everything. But then you start losing again. What, what do you stand for as an influencer, I think, as well? I'm not one. You know, I got 500 <laughs> of my followers. They're all my friends and family, right? I'm not that thing. But I love Instagram and, and, you know, and social media networks in general. It's just, I think it's something that really helps connecting. But uh, again, yes, there is such thing. But again, it stands about the messaging. If you're going too many directions and you're going from toilet paper to now beauty products to now, I don't know, technology products, then you are like, uh, okay, how do I trust this review, right? Because how can I really have 100% confidence that what I'm listening to, it's really going to make an impact and I'm going to be able to invest, you know, 200, 300, $500 into something uh, just using that, right? It's not that effective. Do you think that COVID has helped us reset that because, you know, everyone's at home, everybody's seeing everything. You're seeing a ladder in the back of my apartment right now, you know, <laughs> and people understand your lifestyle a little bit more and want to connect with people who live similar lifestyles, you know, in real life. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, I, I think if you were to ask me, you know, COVID and everything that has happened, it's, it's been, I think, traumatic and a tragedy. And I think we all have experienced in our lives, you know, someone or ourselves, right, having an effect for, from it. But I think from the overall, uh, all these overall last six months, yes, there has been a need, there was a need of reset, especially in certain aspects of marketing, in certain aspects of branding and, and, and retail, right? We were getting too, uh, too, like, accustomed and too used to just, like, again, I'm repeating myself, but selling, 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 and just basically providing no, ad no added value and forgetting that, hey, we're out there uh, and we've made it so that we can be the voice for something, right? That's, that's, that's the concept. And I think it was needed. I think it was a, a, a tough lesson. We could have actually achieved that lesson without having to go through COVID, that's for sure, right? But because it did happen, I think one of the uh, more on the upward level type of uh, 
you know, experiences of post-COVID-19 is that now we're going back to human interaction. We're going back to being more selective, right? And it's slowed down the entire process and it's making everybody start to, start to think a little bit more uh, and make the point of the situation. Profcom consumer, as well as talent, as well as, you know, influencer marketer or marketer in general. How are you thinking about innovation going forward? I love it. I love innovation because uh, I think innovation, but innovation with purpose, right? Uh, I always give this example that innovation with purpose is something that comes into our lives seamlessly. Uh, example is the TV remote, right? You remember back in the days you used to have these big remotes that had 700 different buttons, yeah? And in order for you to be able to change the channel from your couch, you needed two people to carry the remote, <laughs> first of all, right? <laughs> Joking there. And then you needed to gotta really remember in the dark which button is what to change the, to change the you know, the station. And now you're actually to the point where you have one button, yeah? Or you actually have voice uh, technology that changes it for you. Did we really think back then, you know, uh, or do we really think right now how the remote has, has advanced? No, it just makes our life so much easier that it becomes seamless, right? We couldn't think it any other way. And I think when it comes to innovation, that's exactly what also innovation needs to do. It needs to come seamlessly into the life of people without needing to really replace absolutely nothing, but improving something, right? Uh, so, you know, in terms of a, from a brand standpoint, I'm not really focused, nor I'm really worried about, you know, having to compare myself or having to kind of like show, uh, you know, why is it better? Why is it stronger? Right. I'm more worried and I'm more concerned as a priority, not concerned, but I'm more focused uh, into trying to create an innovation that can really, again, improve life as we know it without having to disrupt it. I think that's, that's the really balance. Yeah. When you think about, though, you know, the Luna is a huge chunk of sales. I think it's about 80% of your business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, you're iterating on that with a new tool that's coming out in September. So where is Foreo going? You know, where's the next chapter of Foreo then? Great question. I think uh, everywhere. Everywhere in the sense that, yes, we started with Luna because cleansing device and cleansing product was really what we wanted to kind of, you know, based on our research, uh, you know, advance further, right? And really rebuild from scratch. Uh, we started to also do throughout this period of time, really uh, trying to create things for like acne reasons, like the Espada, right? And uh, we also have an oral care side that now it's getting ready to also be 2.0 and re-evolved, which I think it's incredible and it's amazing. Um, and we learned along the way, right? Certain things. Sometimes we're very emotional people in Foreo, right? So we love to launch things <laughs> as soon as we get them. Uh, which I love, right? But at the same time, it's, uh, it's a lesson. Um, in September, you'll have now Foreo really starting to kind of like play more into the uh, EMS technology, electromagnetic field, right? With the uh, skin tightening and skin perming. Uh, the product is the Bear that we'll be launching, Bear and Bear Mini, um, which it's, it's, it's really cool. It's taking anti-aging per se. That's why I love it, right? that is perceived as something that, ah, it's for older people. Yeah, I'm young. I don't really need anti-aging right now. Nor it's a word that I really want to use with my friends as to more preventive, right? It's kind of anti-anti-aging, we like to say within Foreo. It's like, it's going against that because I think that perception and that wrong use of words sometimes, it prevents people from doing something that is good for them. And a product like Bear, it's kind of changing that because it looks like a teenage product, yeah? But it's got a technology that in theory you would say, well, no, it's for my grandma or for my mother. No, it's not. It's for everybody. When you think about, you know, the preventative, you know, Botox industry and how, you know, people as young as 20 are using Botox today, is this kind of the same idea in the sense that, you know, 
anti-aging is something that you can start as a teenager. Absolutely. And I think, yes. Uh, so similar concept, right? In terms of Botox being used now by younger ages. Why? Because it's becoming more preventive, right? So people are learning that I don't need to do Botox once I got the line in my forehead. That's too late. Yes. I need to, in theory, do it earlier. So I never get that line. But there is also natural ways to do that, right? Without actually having to go through injections and things of that sort. Not that that is bad by no means, but, you know, to each their own. But what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of ways now, there is technology out there that truly helps you uh, prevent versus really react to something. Um, and it's just a matter of then, uh, you know, doing a little bit of the research and, and, and seeing out there what, what works and removing that stigma that certain words in retail have created, yes? Uh, that mean sometimes, a lot of times, they don't mean much at all. You know, it's just like we just love to use these marketing words, you know, and it's like, why? Keep it simple. Simple works, right? And simple makes sure that consumers don't get diverted into something that is bad for them just because of a con you know, conceptualization of something that is incorrect. Last question for you, Becky. I have to ask, you know, we talked about a lot today and I, as yeah. I think forward about the rest of 2020 and 2021, it really is a survival of the fittest right now in beauty. So where do you feel your strong suits are and that are, that will take you forward into 2021? I think the strongest suit for us is that we are the human brand. We are the human brand that basically works on a day-to-day on a very much emotional intelligence versus really a lot of times, you know, simpler robotics. Um, and like I said, it served the purpose this time around when things changed without us, really nobody in the world really expecting where it's not just maintaining us alive, but it's actually making us think more and thrive more, right? And I think going forward, this is going to be the way. It's gonna be, it's this moment in time made us calm down, made us actually kind of think and reconnect to the things that are really important in life, right? and uh, kind of understand that a lot of the rest we don't need. We just need to basically uh, uh, simplify our lives and make them so that uh, they make an impact in general, right? And, be, and we're prepared. I think that's the most important part. So for us, it's doing just that a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more abstract concept right now. I think we're working on a lot more kind of bringing it down to earth. Uh, we love to kind of like have these brainstorming sessions in Foreo that go a little bit everywhere, but that's, that's, that's our strength. Right. And uh, getting things out there, products out there that make an impact, playing in categories that uh, help our users and our consumers learn more about their skin, learn more about their needs um, and uh, nothing. Just keep on innovating over and over again. The benefits of being a small company, right? Small and big at the same time. But yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Becky. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Loved it. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.